0: Hey there, how's it going, eh? This is What You've Been Playing Wednesday, and this is a special weekly episode that's a compilation of all the board games that all of us cool content creators have been playing lately. And on this episode are... board Game with Andrew B. The Cardboard Kid. The Meeple Dungeon. Definitely a board game podcast. Omni Gamers Club. Board on the Air. And Cardboard Conjecture. And as always, please remember to check out the show notes to the What You Be Playing Wednesday cast. And sit back, have a coffee or tea, or any beverage you like, and enjoy.
1: Hi, this is Andrew Buckle,s of BoardingGame.com and I'm here to talk about what I've been playing this week. My best gaming experience of the past week was playing Union Station. Union Station is a game designed by Travis D. Hill with art from Daniel Newman. It is coming to Kickstarter October 12th from New Mill Industries. Union Station is a cube rails game where you use cubes to lay out railway tracks on a map. In this case, it's actually disks that you use, small disks rather than cubes, but this fits very well into the cube rails genre. Cube rails games generally involve multiple companies with share ownership of the different companies, so it's not that each player each has their own company. It's usually important to expand your railway, to gain more revenue, and to collect dividends. Cube Rails also usually has an element where you can acquire additional shares, and a lot of the game is in deciding what shares to buy. A few other examples in the Cube Rails genre include Chicago Express, Irish Gage, Iberian Gage, and German Railways. Also, Luzon Rails, which I've previously talked about in the June 16th edition of this podcast. And for those interested in getting a sense of what Cube Rails is like, there's one very simplified one, Paris Connection, which is the remake of SNCF, that's available to play on Board Game Arena. The Cube Rails genre also tends to be shorter and faster than more complicated train and stock games like those in the 18xx family, and Union Station certainly fits into that. Union Station has an estimated playing time of 30 to 45 minutes, and that seems fitting from my experience with the game so far. So my play of Union Station came with BJ Rosas from Board Game Gumbo, and you can actually find it archived on his YouTube channel at youtube.com slash boardgamegumbo. We played a four-player game of this with BJ, myself, Jay bell and Dave. And it wound up being a lot of fun. What's going on in Union Station is that after the initial auction, where you auction up a share of each of the five railroads involved in the game, we move into the meat of the game and you do one thing on your turn. Your options there are buy shares, sell shares, or build tracks. Build track is the one that you may do most of the time, and what that allows you to do is to place two discs for one railroad that you have at least one share in. All five railroads start in Chicago, and on their first move they're going to build out from Chicago, but after that you can build adjacent to any of their previous track or adjacent to Chicago again. If you lay track into a town, the railroad's value rises by two. If you lay track into a city, which is a named spot on the map, that's a destination city, but not the destination city of your railroad, your railroad's value rises by three. And if you reach your destination city for that particular railroad, its value rises by five, but then it can't lay any further track for the rest of the game. As railroad value rises, it may cross a gold spot on the value track, and that indicates that that railroad is going to pay out dividends. The railroad pays out a dividend of the current value it has reached, divided by the number of shares that are currently in player hands, rounded up. So it can be really great to get a dividend if you happen to have the only share in a railroad, or if you have two of the three that are out there, or something of the sort. Something that's also interesting with this is that the five railroads in the game have different numbers of shares. So one has four, one is five, one is six, one is seven, and one has eight. But it's only the shares that are actually in player hands that matter for the purpose of paying dividends. So how do you get more shares? Well this is another thing that makes Union Station a little different. Unlike a lot of Kuberos games where you can put up a share of anything for auction, there are no auctions here after the initial auction. Instead, there is an offer. That offer can have up to three shares in it, and a share is added whenever anyone lays track, or when somebody buys a share, a share comes up to replace it. The offer is slots from plus one to plus two to plus three, And shares, they're currently in the plus one spot, move along when one is added to plus two and then to plus three, but they never go off from the plus three spot. The new shares come from the deck and they come out in a random order, but you can always see what the top share of the deck is. So to buy a share, you just pay the current value to the bank and you take the share and you increase that railroad's value by plus one, plus two, or plus three, depending on the spot it was in, possibly triggering another dividend. Buying shares also advances railroads on the Union Station Track, which pays special dividends to each railroad's shareholders once one, two, or three shares of every railroad has been bought. The last thing you can do on your turn is to sell shares. To sell shares, you take all the shares you have of one color and you sell them back, they go out of the game, you receive the value they were at, and the railroad's value drops by one row. The game ends when all shares have been bought, when 20 dividends have been paid, and it's noble that you can't sell stock anymore after the 17th dividend, or when all five of the railroads can no longer lay track. I play a lot of cube rails games, and I think that Union Station has some excellent twists on the general mechanics, specifically with the share offer and how you are buying from a limited selection of shares, but you're just buying rather than auctioning them. That allows for some interesting dynamics. I also like the Union Station payouts as a way to incentivize buying shares of different railroads and I like the destination cities for the different railroads as that adds some different tensions on if somebody else might finish your railroad before you want to, and how long you're able to keep it going and keep getting more revenue to it. Again, Union Station is coming to Kickstarter on October 12th from New Mill Industries. I'm Andrew Buckholz. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew AndrewBuchholz, B-U-C-H-O-L-T-Z, and you can find my board game writing at BoardingGame.com. Thanks for listening.
2: Hi, everyone. I'm the Cardboard Kid. If you don't know me, I'm 11 years old, and I've reviewed games on YouTube since April 2017. I've close to 300 reviews, plus dozens of interviews and features. My latest was the key Murder at the Oakdale Club, but I've been taking a break because of school and other things. Oh, and these plays have been over the past few weeks. Our 2021 plays are already a third of our usual amount, but with school starting, we've been playing even less. I think I enjoyed The Artemis Project more with each play. I really like the theme and how it looks, but most of all, I love how simple yet agonizing it is to make those choices with your dice. Do I block here, or do I help here, or do I get this now, or... 13 plays into micro-macro haven't changed a thing. I love the stories the art tell, and the feeling of satisfaction as you piece things together and think, wait a minute, maybe this happened. I mentioned in my review that we play using the advanced rules, no looking at the cards until the very end to see if you were entirely correct. Many of you know by now that the Chronicles of Crime series is pretty much my favorite in all of gaming. Well, not the Redview expansion, so much. But all of the others are my top 15. 2400 is no different. Even after just the tutorial and first two parts of the next case, it's awesome. I love how they continue to tweak things, but still have it feel like CoC. In this one, you're in a cyberpunk world, so corporations control the world and are battling one another, the authority organization is more like an army, and people are struggling for scraps and basic rights. So, not that different than real life, I guess. Anyhow, you have implants now instead of having people to contact. In a way, it's like the Noir expansion, which is still my all-time favorite. Our last couple Sundays have been back to D&D. We finally made it out of the forest and were on our way to where we were supposed to be going. It so happens that one of our NPC guides' parents lived there. Well, when we got there, a dragon had destroyed sections, and there were marauders terrorizing the townspeople. Our horses were zapped by the dragon after we insulted it, but we heard it enough that it gave up on the town. We then destroyed a pack of kobolds before they even had a chance to turn around. Afterwards, we saved some townsfolk, put out fires, and now we were able to deal with more enemies before investigating what the cult of the dragon are up to. That's about all for now. If you want to see photos and updates of what I'm playing, follow me on Twitter at Cardboard Underscore kid. For video reviews, check out my YouTube channel, The Cardboard Kid. Please stay safe. Happy gaming!
3: Hello everybody, it's Rob and Anna-Marie from the Meeple Dungeon. Hello! And we are back again recording for the What You've Been Playing Wednesdays podcast. And this week we are talking about one game. What game is that, Anna-Marie?
4: That is Seven Wonders Duel, designed by Antoine Bauza and Bruno Catala and published by Repos Production.
3: Yeah, Seven Wonders Duel. This is this game's uh, new to our collection. Um, I played it a couple times uh, with our buddy Kurt. Uh, he got it when it first came out and uh, I hadn't played it since then. Yeah. And Anna Maria has never played this until now. No. Yeah, so we we picked this game up and we played a few games of it. And yeah, it's really really good. It's as good as I remember. It won a whole bunch of awards back in the day for two say, player like games
4: 2015-2016. There's like a whole schwack. the side of the side yeah, of the box has like eight the, different uh, nominees award or awards. All over awards. It. Yeah.
3: Um we we had the original 7 Wonders and we liked that game. Um but let's talk about this one. This one is a straight-up two-player, head-to-head, push-and-pull kind of game. Quick, like 30 yeah, minutes? We, yeah, we got it down to about 30 minutes total, I think, right now, because yeah. we kind of both understand what's going on. You can just It fly didn't take through long it. to figure no. it out so pretty quick. So what's happening in this game is you are drafting cards. There's going to be three ages, age 1, age 2, age 3. Um, and in those ages, you're going to be drafting 10 cards each, I believe. I think it's 20 cards total. Um, you're well, gonna I was end up and paying, 10 paying cards. attention
4: to that <laughs> <laughs>
3: and, um, Of those cards, there are blue, yellow, red, brown, gray, and green cards. and purple and purple. The brown and and gray cards are the cards that you draft that are gonna give you resources to use on like your turn, materials to build and goods. other yeah. cards because some cards have no cost to build them. And others have, like, needs one wood, one brick, or two wood, or two brick, or something on it. And as you collect those resource cards, you'll be able to use those to build the bigger, better cards. Yeah.
4: Something neat in this game that I haven't seen before is that, uh, you know, if I have in my resource pool, I have, you know, one brick and two stone, let's say. And a card that I wanted to buy cost two brick. Or, say sorry, two wood only. And I had one. I could use that as one resource. I would then have to pay two coins um, for my second wood. But if you had a wood in your... pool yep i would also have to pay a coin for however many wood you had in your resource
3: pool yeah it, oh, the, it wouldn't go to me it would go to the bank It would go to the bank yeah, but i'd still but have to pay still. it which is
4: neat i had never had that yeah. and it really makes a different it, uh
3: it makes a big difference big
4: difference in there yeah yeah
3: so there's yeah those there's those cards you can draft there's uh, military cards which are red which are going to push and pull this uh military track uh left and right. So I'm going to every time I play a military card, it's going to have the little swords and shields on it, for every sword and shield on it, I'm going to push it one more towards you. Yep. And uh the further I push it towards you, the closer I am to winning because you can straight up win if I push this to the very end of that track, I'm going to win instantly.
4: Like outright. And then if yeah. you don't Push it all the way to the end. Whoever is farthest, who's ever pushed it the farthest to their opponent's side, they're going to get victory points at the, uh, end of the game. at the end of the game, yep. depending on yeah, whoever's uh, how furthest, far you are.
3: Yeah, is going to get two, five, or ten points if they haven't yeah. won the game using the military. And it's also going to cost your opponent some coins along the way yeah. as well. Um, Much
4: needed coins. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah.
3: Then there's the blue cards, which are just straight up victory point cards that you straight can draft. Um, they cost resources to to. But they're they're still just victory points, so they just count towards the end of the game. Then there's the science cards, which are green. These ones are really cool. Um, They have little uh, icons on them of like a quill and a, a spinning wheel and like a compass and things. And if you get six different science cards with different symbols on them, you can instantly win the game that way as well. So you can win by victory points at the end of the game or you can win by military, or you can win by science. Right. And those are, that's pretty cool. You can go three different ways in this game. Um, And there's also some yellow cards that are kind of like finance cards, which makes things cheaper and kind of gives you money, things like that. And there are, in any one game, there are three purple cards going to be uh, thrown into the mix for the third act. The third uh, act. Age. Age. Um, And those things are going to do... Kind Of end game scoring as well, and the cool thing is that you're always having different cards in this game because uh, you're always going to be having three random cards removed from each deck, so it's never going to be the same cards laid out, and they're always obviously never going to be laid out in the nope. same order because yeah. you lay them out in like a pyramid style and then an upside down pyramid and yeah, an upside down and pyramid like and then a like big circle y kind of yeah, thing. <laughs> so and, and you only have access to the cards that are face up that are not covered by another card. And yeah, it's really, really good, really, really solid two player oh, game. Absolutely. Oh, we didn't even touch on the wonders. You also oh, have yeah, wonder the, the cards, wonders. so they're yeah. um
4: there's there are extras of them, but you end up you draft those as well. So Yeah, you the, each end up
3: with four.
4: Yeah, so one person drafts one, the next per- player drafts two, then the other person takes the last one, then yep. you put four more out and do the same thing but in reverse order. Yep. And um and those uh, you can use your resources that you end up purchasing like pooling
3: to um, pay f- to make your wonders. Yeah, and you'll you'll draft you basically whatever card you draft, you're going to take a card, but you're not going to install it into your city. You're going to burn it. Right. Basically. You burn
4: it so that you, Stick and it you it pay for the, the wonder. Stick it the wonder that you yeah. want to
3: activate. Pay the, the cost to activate it and it's going to give you all, all of them have random, wacky, bonuses, great yeah. things that they do for you. So you definitely want to get those up and running whenever you can. In our last game, I didn't have any because yeah. I got totally boned on resources somehow it came close to it only like th- even close to winning it was a three-point game without, it was close yeah, without activating any of the yeah uh the wonders but uh yeah it's pretty cool and the, with the wonders too you can only ever have seven of them activated so yep. there's eight between us and we can only have seven activated so if the first person activate all four there's kind of kinda handicaps the other side can only ever Just, activate yeah. up to three gives themselves self yeah. an extra little bonus but oh my goodness what a yeah solid, it's such a fun solid game solid it, it was game. quick everyone i think is pretty much aware of that at this point i think so but um yeah it, i but remember you're not. playing it and it was really good when i played it and uh, it's just as good now uh playing it yeah, in 2021 if you're not
4: aware of it you should go check it out it's a fun oh, game yeah. and if you are aware of it you should go play it again yep because it's a ton of fun maybe you haven't played it in a while i'm like oh yeah
3: yeah it's game's pretty good it's one of the better <laughs> two-player games i've ever played yeah it's awesome um and yeah, I agree. It's uh, anyone out there is looking for a great two-player game. This is the price is right, and uh, you can play two games in an hour. So yeah, that's always great. But we got to run, so we will see you next week. Cheers. See ya.
5: Hello, I am A.A. Ron Millich. And I'm Royce Calverly. (laughs) I miss (laughs) my (laughs) cue. And we are off to a rocky start. We are definitely a board game podcast. A podcast definitely about board games except Royce misses cue. And we're back on what you've been playing Wednesday. And for a change, I'm going first. Well, you should because clearly I can't. (laughs) (laughs) Royce has a lot on his mind today. Uh, He's getting a new fridge, which is exciting and... We'll just stop there. <laughs> we don't need to go in the rest of your private life. Uh, I've been playing a game, an old one, called Seven Dragons. Andrew Looney at Looney Labs 2011. I don't remember how I came across this game. I don't know if it was recommended or on one of the lists at 401 games, but what a great game. It's basically like a domino-laying game. Uh, you have all these different colored dragons, and you're trying to uh, get seven dragons to be touching of your color in a row while other people try and stop you. Uh, There are special cards, wild cards, and there are cards that make you change your hand. So just when you think you're ready to lay that seventh dragon on your next turn, someone plays that card and there goes your hand and you no longer have the color you need. And all of a sudden they go out on your last color because they had the dragon and they got it now. Lots of, uh, it's, it's got a lot of you know tense moments of, am I actually gonna do it? I'm actually really my seventh dragon. Um, the only thing I'm gonna say, if you haven't played this game before and you wanna get yourself a copy, uh, lots of table space because the cards are, you know, fairly, you know, they're poker-sized cards and you need to lay them out so that the board can get quite big. Uh, mm-hmm. Two to five players, 10 to 30 minutes, lots of fun. Good-looking game too. The cards, the, the illustrations on them are really pretty. Definitely recommend Seven Dragons. Excellent. Uh, yeah, the only Looney Labs game I've played, I think, is Looney Pyramids.
6: And that I think you would really enjoy. That's a neat game. But yeah, I'd be willing to try this. It should
5: be exciting. You haven't played Seven Dragons? I'm surprised. Yeah. No. It's, a, it's a good one. And again, I don't know how I found it. Again, I'm pretty sure it was on a list and I just went for it and really enjoyed it. So what have you been playing, Royce? I've been playing the same thing as
6: everybody else. Uh, Everybody right now is playing Terraforming Mars, the Ares Expedition. Uh, Kickstarters have fulfilled here in Canada, especially just in the last week or two. So everybody's playing it. Everywhere I look, I see Twitter pics and Facebook pics and all these sorts of things. Uh, This is a standalone game in the Terraforming Mars world. Mm. Uh, It's by Jacob Frixelius, who did the original, plus Sidney Engelstein and Nick Little. It's published by Stronghold Games and Fricks Games, and yeah, this year, twenty twenty one. This is a card version of Terraforming Mars.
2: Ooh.
6: This is really hard. I got a lot to say, and I did say a lot. Go check out episode forty of our podcast. Uh, that's I talk about this game in a lot of detail yeah. because I got a lot to say about this one. To be honest, um, so make it quick here. <laughs> well, here's the quick. It's good. It's not as good as Terraforming Mars, the original game, yeah. and it's a little long for a card game version of Terraforming Mars. Yeah. So I'm not sure where it fits. It's a good game. It is a It uh, uses a lot of the same mechanics as Race for the Galaxy or San Juan combined with Terraforming Mars, which is a great combination. I don't know. I'm, I'm really a little up in the air. You really have to listen to our other episode to get it all. It's good, just maybe not as good as the original game.
5: I think the important thing that Roy said on the other episode that uh, you may want to hear is because of the length He really doesn't understand when he would pull this off the shelf if he's going to play a Terraforming Mars game. Yeah, I mean, Terraforming Mars takes us two to two and a half
6: hours to play. This is going to take you an hour to an hour and a half. I have other games in the hour to an hour and a half area that I think are better than Ares Expedition. And if I'm going to go longer than an hour and a half, I'm just going to play regular Terraforming Mars. So that's where I have this confusion. So it's a good game. If you think Terraforming Mars is too long, but you really want to play Terraforming Mars this might be perfect for you. I just don't know where it fits for me. Right. And yeah, right. I do talk about this a lot in our episode.
5: Yeah, so. so why don't you do that? Why don't you check out episode 40? You can find Definitely Board Game Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and iHeartRadio and all the places podcasts live. And then you can talk to us about what we said at definitelyboard@gmail.com, at, at BoardDefinitely on Twitter, at Definitely Board on Facebook. And you can always go to our guild on Board Gig Geek at Definitely Board Game Podcast there. Right, Royce? Yeah, absolutely
6: right. Yep. Everything is true. Everything is accurate. Everything is correct.
5: Awesome. Always fun to be on on What You've Been Playing Wednesday. Uh, Anything else you want to say, Royce? No. Say goodbye, Royce. Goodbye, Royce. Bye, everybody.
7: Hi, this is Daniel Winter. And this is Mark Uessa. And we're from the Omni Gamers Club podcast. I just made my debut on What You've Been Playing Wednesdays last week, and I'm very pleased to have my co-host Mark with me this week. So uh, welcome to your first time on What You've Been Playing Wednesdays, Mark. Thanks for having me. So what have we been playing this week, Mark? I have
8: a mix of some games I've been playing on Board Game Arena. Of course, I'm an addict. <laughs> How but I've been enjoying some of the newer games that have come out, like New Frontiers, which is um, the board game set in the Race for the Galaxy universe. It has a strong Puerto Rico flavor to it, and it plays smoothly. It's not too deep or time consuming. I'm enjoying it.
7: Yeah, we both enjoyed that. I mean, we worked played that together uh, a couple of weeks ago for the first time. Uh, so it's interesting to compare it to Race and Roll for the Galaxy.
8: Yeah, I've played it a few more times since then, and I've seen
7: a few more sides of it, and I've been having fun playing it. Uh, excellent! You've been training uh, behind my back then, so I'll have to watch out for that next time we play. <laughs> and how about yourself? Uh, yeah, I've been playing a few things on Board Game Arena. Uh, I just played Parks for the first time. When I've, uh, I've been, I keep missing for the last few years, I, I missed it at uh, Shucks a couple of years ago. It sold out uh, pretty quickly. I've been trying to track it down since. Uh, so that was that was great fun to try. Uh, I, I, I keep. People had compared it to, to Kaido, which uh isn't a game that I, I found particularly engaging. But Parks does have a little more uh thought going into it with some sort of set collection and engine building. So that's that seems fun so far.
8: Right. I remember seeing that at Shucks 2018 as well. It, it has beautiful artwork, which I believe is official State Park artwork, uh, for all of its cards. So that's really
7: cool to see. I'd like to try that one out. Well won't we uh hook up a game of that game arena soon? We actually played a game together recently for the first time uh, in a while, uh, and that was Descent, Leg- Legends of the Dark Road. I think the last version was Journeys. The, the whole editions of this game is uh, a little confusing, but this is the, the new edition of Descent, the big big box dungeon crawling miniatures game from Fantasy Flight.
8: Right. It's the big blue box, uh, which I'm sure you've seen on Board Game Geek. This was my very first entry into the series, and uh, I enjoyed the first mission that we played.
7: Yeah, we, we just played the first mission. We had a full party of four. It does a pretty good job of tutorializing the mechanics as you go through, but not, it was in a pretty uh, intuitive way, I thought. It didn't feel too forced. I mean, there was one point where it's it gives you four things to interact with, and each one, only one character can inter- can engage with each of these four elements and that was very that seemed a little bit railroaded but everything else flowed naturally i thought
8: what i really appreciated about it was the uh smooth combat resolution i mean you basically just had to say what weapon you're using who you're targeting and the spatial element didn't even matter really as long as you're within range on the board that was nice to see the story choices were clearly very video game like but With the map there and the unexplored territories on the board, I felt those, you know, strong tabletop role-playing game chills, which was really nice.
7: Yeah, it really represents my favorite sort of parts of of role-playing games without having to improvise character role-playing points, which which isn't really my strong point, to be honest. So it gives you the best of both worlds.
8: Like a first mission should, it's a really nice showcase for the game mechanisms uh, and what the future will offer. It had uh, a lot of Telltale game style. The game will remember this uh, choices for you to make, which uh, you know only promises uh, what the future will hold. Right, so super excited to see what uh, the new missions will will entail.
7: Yeah, I was, I was quite interested to see that it had something of a, a Mass Effect style morality system. Uh, like each character can go down one of two paths. Uh, And so I'm quite curious to see how that is going to change things down the road. And we didn't see a lot of uh, differences between the characters, I think, at this point, because you don't even start with any skill cards. You really just have your character card and a weapon. And so there's not a lot of differentiation between them yet. But uh, already we've we've been given a couple of of skill cards that I think are really going to start shaking things up and differentiating all of our characters. Yeah, no pun included,
8: has a great breakdown of the game in more depth. But what I really appreciated was how you didn't know what the inherent weaknesses of the enemies were to the vulnerabilities to which weapon until you actually deployed it for the first time on them. I thought that was a cool way to discover more about the systems of the game in real time. It felt really dynamic.
7: Absolutely, yeah, very experimental. You're really learning along as you go. Right, so
8: I'm really looking forward to seeing what uh, Descent has to offer uh, if you'll have me back at your place. Anytime, of course. So thanks for having me on the podcast, guys. This has been a lot of fun. I've been Mark Uessa from the Omni Gamers podcast. And I'm
7: Daniel Winter. You can find our podcast at the website OmniGamers.club. And we're prepping for our next episode that's going to be all about architects of the West Kingdom. We actually have a giveaway running right now. We're doing a draw for a copy of Cascadia, a new, uh, new game from FlatOut
8: Games. So listen to our episode number four, Iron Harvest, for a clue about how to win that game.
7: Well, thanks for having us on the show. Yes, I'm going to go straight back to playing my solo game of Descent right now and uh, listening to the Diablo soundtrack, I think. <laughs> awesome. Bye. Bye, everyone.
9: Hi, I'm David, and I'm one half of Board on the Air, and on tonight's show for What Have You Been Playing, I'm gonna be talking about Quadropolis. Quadropolis is a game by Days of Wonder in which you are drafting tiles from a central board and building out a city. Uh, There's different types of buildings on those tiles, and the interesting part with this one is how you're drafting them. You have uh, arrows that are cards like of a value 1, 2, 3, or 4. And that's how many from that edge in that you're taking the boards. Uh, the different types of tiles are going to give you points based on what's beside them. Or how big the towers are. Or which quadrant they're in. Uh, this is probably, in my opinion, Days of Wonders last good big box game uh, production value is very solid as most days of wonder games are tiles are nice and chunky uh, there's some blue meeples and red power gems and everything is put together really solid as I say in this game there's the whole drafting mechanic where you're you can try and block each other from stuff that you don't want them to take later uh, when you draft a tile you're going to put a basically a robber like in Catan and you can't and the other people can't take anything from that row or column based on that last tile that you took. Uh, so we can limit what people are taking and it makes for some really interesting decisions as you're playing. Uh, the nice part about this game is it's very simple to teach. But there's lots of good, tough decisions that you're making. There's there's different levels of uh, strategy to this game. It's not just as basic as I take a tile, I put it on my board. Uh, the number that you use to take that tile is the the row or column on your board that it has to go into. So there's, there's that that you're weighing back and forth. So you can't just set up the board however you want. You, how you take them is how you have to place them as well. Uh, so you're limited in your uh, ability to place those on your board. Uh, On these tiles that you base or buildings that you take, you're going to get either points, uh, some energy tokens, or some uh, populace. And that's the red, the blue, or just basically victory points. Uh, At the end of the game, if you don't use up all of your energy and people, you're going to lose points for those. Uh, so there is some uh, some supply management. Uh, so you because each building can only take so many people or so many power, uh, and they all have a requirement of what they need on them or what they can take on them. Uh, so it's just another layer of that uh, strategy or another layer of those decisions you have to make. You you can take a building, but it gives you too many too many power or too much too many people then you can't put them on your board and you're going to lose points at the end of the game. Uh, You're going to play this game over four rounds. At the end of four rounds, you're going to count up your score. Whoever has the most points is the winner. Uh, This is one of those games that I really like. Uh, I don't play it as often as I used to, but it is one that I can bring out with anybody at home. Uh, Or if I take it over to somebody's place, anybody can pick this up. And it's a nice, solid game with different levels of strategy to it uh, so you can play it you may not do as well as somebody who's played it more than you but you it doesn't take a lot of previous game experience to get into this game and have fun with it so that is quadropolis a good solid game from days of wonder i uh, wish they get back to this level of quality but this is solid I am David, and this is What Have You Been Playing? Have a great night.
0: Hey there, this is Norm from the Cardboard Conjecture Podcast and Bridge City Board Gamers here in Saskatoon. And uh, one thing I love to do is to go to our Facebook page, and see what our community has been playing. And uh, let's start up with... Who do we have here? Ash has been playing Clank Legacies. Oh, <laughs> when we went into pandemic, we were playing Clank. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh, it's just sitting there waiting. Uh, Ryan, um, who, uh, who uh, is the co-host of our... Uh, Cardboard Conjecture podcast. It has played once again. It was a week of card games. He says, "Ashes Reborn, uh, Flesh and Blood, and Marvel Champions." Plus, my wife and I played Village four times over the weekend. Twice with the base game, and once with the in expansion, and once with the port expansion. So that's a lot of depth. Yes, that's a pretty large Village. <laughs> Sorry. Um. Uh, but yeah, uh, Marvel Champions, Ryan and I have been doing some... Uh, we started the Red Skull, uh, Rise of the Red Skull campaign. So, And uh, Flesh and Blood, Rob from the Meeple Dungeon and uh, Ryan um, have a uh, regular... Um, they'll uh, kind of stop and start in transition to Flesh and Blood. But uh, yeah, they've been playing a couple of games of those already. So have a look in our YouTube... We have a YouTube channel, so go we'll have a look and subscribe. Um, moving along, Jonathan um, played Islebound and Karuba. Islebound, yes, Red Raven Games. I have that one. That is a fun game. Um, kind of a, I, was, I don't want to say pick up a delivery, but uh, yeah, you're bouncing around from island to island, doing things, trying to accomplish a lot of a uh, lot of interesting game elements. Jason. We played Power Grid, Clank Legacy with Ash, and Cascadia, Project L, Calico, Red Rising this weekend. That is a fantastic lineup. Power Grid, um, I keep saying that I want to get that game again to the table. Um, Hans has played Wingspan. Well done. A Feast for Odin. That's a big table hog game that I've not played and I want to play. Furnace, I've heard a lot about Furnace. It's a new game that just came out. Cora, Maracaibo. terraforming Mars, and the one hundred Tori. I think I've heard that last one before. Terraforming Mars. I don't. You guys don't play that much. I, I haven't heard that one too. Much. Is it like uh, is it like uh, Ryan's Targi? No. Okay. Um, Eli. Played, uh, Moonstra City. I hope I said that properly. M- Monstrosity. There we go. Uh, Warp's Edge, twice. And Wingspan with Oceana. I don't have that expansion yet. I, I, I'm quite content with the, uh... Wait, do I have Oceana? I think so. I don't... Yeah, I think... Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> Tim. Uh, just a couple games of Kill Team. And, uh... He put some pictures on. That's uh, that's some pretty cool minis. Absolutely. Jeff. Jeff played. I'm going to click. You've got a little image here. Feast for Odin. Cartographers. Furnace. Gaia Project. Imperium. Korra. Maracaibo. Nova Luna. Steampunk Rally. Steampunk Rally by Roxley Games. Canadian company. Um, cool. Yeah, that's a lot of fun games. Scott been in the group for a while but this i believe is my first response to the what you've been playing wednesday post not much played in the last week but what i did play was very good weather machine and marvel champions marvel champions can't go wrong love that game marianne played blockus or as some people say Bloku, um and um the game uh and i think uh what what i have have to open up this image to see what this uh the marshmallow test the delayed gratification trick-taking card game by game rate and it's a reiner reiner knizia cool wow i'm gonna have to i love i love the doctor all right moving on to daniel from the omni gamers podcast As hinted on the podcast, I just started a big four-player campaign of Descent Legends in the Dark, but I'm thinking of playing a solo campaign on uh, hard mode while pumping the Diablo soundtrack. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. Now I know exactly what I'm going to do. John, let's wrap up with John. John played Age of Steam America. Coal, Age of Steam, yeah, fantastic game. You know what? I'm going to I'm going to wrap up my segment by telling you the the game that I played this week, and I had myself a game of Cascadia, designed by Randy Flynn and published by AEG and Flatout Games. It is the successor to Calico which is a tile-drafting-tile-laying kind of abstract uh, uh, puzzle game. That's Calico, okay? That being said, um, they took the same DNA of that mechanism, uh, market mechanism and uh, tableau-building mechanism, um, and they, so they took that same DNA of, of that hexagonal tile selection, but they paired it with um, a cool kind of variable which is uh animals now the tiles represent the habitats and the and the and the uh, the discs uh, are the wildlife that in that inhabit this habitat now add in the idea of like tiny towns where you have uh uh, five different species i believe um, of animals and of those five species there's different kind of Uh, point scoring uh, variances to it. And very clever too. Now, um, each animal has their own thing to score. So as you're looking at it like tiny towns, um, what you're trying to build or what you're trying to accomplish on your terrain. And also that being said, is that there's the connectivity of, I believe, five different terrain zones that you can score for the amount of connected Terrain, and if you're playing a solo game, you just score the points. Uh, but if you're playing uh, competitively, you uh, um, there is I don't want to call it area control, but it's, it's sort of like a uh, who has the most gets the most points, who has the second most, you know, that sort of scoring technique. So it is somewhat important to um, stay involved in that race uh, because it's a balance between. You, you, your scoring of your animal points can, you know, in regards to scoring of your terrain. Um, and uh, I'm having so much fun with this game from a solo point of view and also from, I think I've played it, two-player and three-player. And uh, all of those ways, all of those uh, um, player counts still have a fantastic game to play, fantastic puzzle to solve. And... Uh, Little spoiler: uh, This is going to be one of my deep dive review games on our on our main show podcast coming up here, and uh, yeah, yeah, I really like this game. Um, and that being said, uh, I've also I've talked about it before, and I've, I've made reference to the fact that it reminds me of how um, Uwe Rosenberg took that polyomino tile idea, proof of concept mechanism, and patchwork, and then applied that. You know, mechanical approach to different themes or different layers to the point where um, I have New York Zoo, and I it, it's not it's not you know if you have one you don't need the other they're both awesome because it's that same idea of Calico versus um, Cascadia where like I said you take that initial DNA and uh, you 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 create another version or you create another. Adaptation. Um, and so uh, I think the. Um, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing this, but Verdant, I think, is the third in this series. Uh, I've not read. I've seen a lot of social media talking about it, but I've not read the rule book or have not played uh, any version of it. So um, I'm anticipating a pretty cool experience coming up with this game. So. That being said, um, I'm going to thank you so much for um, sticking around and listening to the episode. We're so very proud of the content that we create, the What You've Been Playing Wednesday cast. And speaking of them, thank you so much to the contributors of this episode. Uh, we can't, I mean, it's difficult to get a collaborative episode out when there's, you know, you know we need people to collaborate. So yay! Thank you so much. I'm very proud of the of the team that we're developing here. So, uh, and as always, keep your stick on the ice and take care out there, eh?